Okay, we're going to start here on the top of Lamed HaValavu. If the Gemara is continuing to discuss the issue of Tefillah Tederach. We started this sugi yesterday, and today we're going to delve more deeply into the issues of Tefillah Tederach. We saw Amar Rav Yaakov, Rav Chista, that Zut Tefillah Tederach, which was what Eliyahu Hanavi had suggested to Rabbi Yehuda, Achua, to Rav Salat Chasido, that Eliyahu had suggested before you go out on the derech, that you should speak to Hashem. You should supplicate before Hashem. And we saw that that was Tefillah Tederach. The Gemara said, my Tefillah Tederach. And then we had a Nusach that was laid out for what Tefillah Tederach was. And then, after we saw that Nusach, which was in the singular form, we had a Baye come along and say, You shouldn't daven in the singular, you should daven in the plural form. And we discussed that yesterday. Now the Gemara moves on and says, Emat Matzli. When do you say Tefillah Tederach? So it's on the third line down on the top of Lamed Amar Aleph. So Amar Yaakov, Amar Chista. When he sets out on his way, Ad Kamo, how much? I'm Rav Yaakov, Rav Chista, Ad Parsa. The amount of a Parsa for meal. So this question, it's unclear what the Gemara is asking and unclear what the Gemara is answering, and therefore the Rishonim argue about exactly what transpired over here. Rashi says, when the Gemara says Ad Kamo, that's qualifying the previous statement, which was the question posed, Mishash Malech Baderech, from the time that he sets out on his way, that's when he says Tefillah Tederech. Ad Kama, what is called setting out on your way? That's how Rashi reads it. The answer is Ad Parsa. First Parsa is considered to be setting out on your way, and therefore you'd have to say Tefillah Tederach within the first Parsa of leaving. That's Rashi's interpretation. The Bahag says that the question's independent. They have a question which was, when do you say Tefillah Tederach? Misham Shalech Baderach, when you set out on your way. Ad Kama is an independent question, which is, how long or how far does the journey have to be in order to be chayav in tefillah tederach. The answer to that question is parsa. That if the journey, its duration will be a parsa, then you're chayav in tefillah tederach. So you have a machloket rashi in the Bahag as to what the meaning of this question of kama is, and ad parsa, the answer being, whether it's talking about how far into your journey are you allowed to say tefillah tederach, or is it telling you the duration of journey that obligates you to say tefillah tederach. So Tabina Be'yonah quote both opinions, but they do modify Rashi's opinion, and they say that it's true, the Chathila, you should say Tefillah Tederach within the first parsa. but Bidiyevet, even beyond that, you could say Tefillah Tederach, as long as you're not within one parsa of your destination, because you're always in Sakana. The whole idea of Tefillah Tederach is that there is still Sakana, and once you've set out on the way, you're still in that Sakana, even though you passed the first parsa. That doesn't obviate you of the need to say Tefillah Haderach. So just quickly, this is a question that comes up in general whenever the Gemara gives terminologies like this of Ad Parsa. First question you have to ask is, is that a time or is that a distance? doesn't mean here, and a Parsa is four meal, which is roughly 72 minutes. Is the Gemara's definition of this duration 72 minutes? Or is the Gemara's definition here a Parsa, no matter how long it takes you to go? Obviously that has major nafkamino today, which is if you get into a car, get into a train, when... Is it considered to be a parsa? How far do you have to go in order for it to be considered an obligation for Tefillah Tederach? Or until when can you say Tefillah Tederach according to Rashi? Now the Shulchan Aruch, when it comes to Paskin, says the Paskin's like both Shitot, which is basically you have to have a minimum of a parsa in order to be Chayav. Plus you should do it within the first parsa. The Paskin's both like Rashi and the Bahag. Mishnabrura says that the din of the parsa is a din of distance, not of time. And therefore, as long as you travel a parsa, and over here he mentions the misila tabarzel trains, that as long as you're traveling the distance of a parsa, even though the duration is not that of 72 minutes, you would be chayav. Rov of the, the poskim, as well as the achronim, agree to that. Ravad Yosef does not agree, and Ravad Yosef says it's 72 minutes. And therefore, for B'nai Sfarad, the Sfaradim will not say it's Tefillah Tederach unless they have a trip of a duration of 72 minutes in order to be Chayav in Tefillah Tederach. The other thing that the Mishnah Borah mentions, which is important, is that you're not Chayav in Tefillah Tederach until you leave the city. And the city is the settled city, and Ibura, and that which surrounds the city, the suburbs or the areas around the city. So until you've exited the city, one is not chayav in Tefillah Tederach. And there is a tshuva in the Mincha Shlomo, where he talks about traveling from Yerushalayim to Tel Aviv. And in traveling in those areas, he says that along the route, almost the entire route, there is Yishuv. 
There's settled areas along the way. There are people living there. He doesn't see, possibly, that one should say, Tefillat Aderech, because the danger that's being discussed in the Gemara over here is danger involved in being away from the Yishuv, leaving the city. And the whole idea is that you set on a journey where you leave the city. Once you've left the confines of the city, or the sphere of the city, then you're Chayav and Tefillat Aderech, because there's nobody there to help you. And so, Rav Shlomo mentions a number of things. Number one is that there are houses all the way along, and number two is, he says, there are police floating up and down the highway, checking up on people and making sure things are okay. Based on that, one is not in such danger, and therefore may not be obligated in saying Tefillah Tederach in these instances. Rav Sternbach, on the other hand, mentions that when he traveled from, let's say, Tel Aviv, Bnei Brak, to Modiin, or Bnei Brak to Bnei Chemish, that over there he might not say Tefillah Tederach with Shem Omachot. He would say it without a bracha, because of the same idea of Rav Shlomo Zalman. On the other hand, if he traveled from Bnei Brak to Yerushalayim, he would say Tefillah Tederach. And that is because, he says, once I reach around Shar Hagai, I don't see houses on either side. I'm at a point where I don't feel that sense uh, of civilization around me. Right. Although it's getting harder and harder now. As Modiin expanded, and Shalvim expanded, all those areas expanded, now they have more houses all the way along the way. But he says that there are, there's a point where he reaches, where he does not see any more houses, and he says, over there. Again, Bad Yosef, says that if it doesn't take 72 minutes, then there is no Tefillah Tederach. And if our... Right, so now, depending on what time of day you go, it might take you 72 minutes to get from Yishalayim to Tel Aviv, and then you might be obligated because of that, because then you've covered both the distance and the amount of... distance as well as the amount of time that is required. So that's the difference in the Akronim. Some of the other Akronim or the Poskim, like Nashir Levi talks about within the city. Maybe that within the city today, there's much danger as there is outside of the city. Because today, when you're talking about danger, one's not thinking about danger like in their day, which is wild animals, marauders, being ambushed on the way. That's not the danger that you're thinking about today. The dangers that you're thinking about today are car accidents, other obstacles, things that can happen that really don't relate to being inter-city, but can even be intra-city. That the same dangers that you're posed by going on the highway are also posed by being inside of the city. And so the Shevet Alevi wants to suggest maybe you should say Tefillat Aderech in the city. Now he's not willing to go that far because he says the clear that the Tchanat Chachamim was only once you left the city. But he says at least once you've left the city you should say Tefillat Aderech because those dangers appear. And I think Rabbi Obinun also mentions that today since the Ikar problem is dangers, accidents along the way. Therefore, one should say Tefillat Tederach. If they're going the requisite distance, and they're going on the highways where the greatest loss of life in Israel today is car accidents and being on the road. So he says that's a significant danger, and that danger should obligate one in saying Tefillat Tederach. Both he and Rav Shlomo Zalman say, if you're passing by Arab villages, who at the current time are not friendly, then one should definitely say Tefillat Tederach because that is much more akin to what the Gemara was speaking about, where you really are, in a sense, putting yourself in danger. Even though it's a Makkum Right. Even though it's a Makkum Yishuv, right? It's a Yishuv that's not friendly. It's like the Yivusi in Yerushalayim. There's an area that you don't want, nobody wanted to settle over there. So, so to over here, he says, if these are areas that are settled, but these are people that are your enemies, then certainly in those instances, both of them agree that you should say Tefillat Haderach. Now it comes to airplanes, which is also interesting. In terms of airplanes, when do you say Tefillat Tederach? So if you have to, according to the Gemara, be on your way in order to say Tefillat Tederach. So I know that many people want to suggest that you say Tefillat Tederach, you have to wait for the plane to start moving, to take off, in order to say Tefillat Tederach. My only hiara about that is that the most dangerous part of the flight is actually the takeoff and the landing. And therefore it would make sense to me that one would say Tefillat Tederach before they took off, and maybe when they're taxing on the ground. Anyway, in terms of an airplane, I just pointed out only because it's this week's Parsha. I think it's from the Tafnat Petneach. I have to go back and check it again. But he wants to suggest that Tefillah Tederach is only when you go on the Derech. The Gemara went discussing Kare Kansipor Lefanecha. Over there, the Gemara discusses the different options about coming across a nest in which there are the mother bird and eggs in it. The Gemara poses different questions as to the situations. And the Gemara wants to know, well, if it was B'Shamayim, would you be obligated to do it? And the Gemara answers there that when you're, if it was B'Shamayim, that's called Derech Nisharim and not Derech. 
So the up in the sky and being up in Shemayim is not called a regular derech, but is a qualified derech. It's derech nisharim. And based on that, the Tzavnach ben Erech wants to suggest that maybe going up an airplane would not obligate one in Tevilat to derech because it's not called a derech. As I'll define here, rather derech nisharim. And derech nisharim is not what the Gemara is after over here. Here, the Gemara is talking about derech. has a very, very clear definition of what derech is. God bless you. So, only mention it because it's in this week's Parsha. Almost everybody else disagrees and says that if you get an airplane, you do have to say Tevilat to derech. What uh, Tzvi is pointing out, which is what I do personally in all these situations, is in the tefillah beforehand, whether it's, whether it's shacharit, mincha, mariv, whenever before you're flying, that you can, within the bracha of shomea tefillah in the Shman Esrei, you can add in the tefillah tederech, and then you don't have to worry about shem and malchut anymore, because the bracha already contains shem and malchut. So if you put in the bracha, put in the tefillah of tefillah tederech there, and just conclude with the bracha of shomea tefillah, like you're part of Shman Esrei, then you could say it, even in, you could say it even in situations where you're besafek. So you would be able to, in those cases, still say it because shem malchut no longer becomes a problem, and also you avoid the problem of having to when you get on the derech, when you leave the city, how far all those things are avoided in doing that. Of course, it doesn't comply to the gemara here of getting on the derech and being on the derech, but it does have it does have a number of advantages in terms of not worrying about the suffix here. The next qualification here in Tefillah Tederech, um, oh wait, one other thing is Rav Moshe just mentions, Rav Moshe Feinstein mentions with Tefillah Tederech that it should be clear that the qualification for Tefillah Tederech is different than Birgit Gomel. Birgit Gomel has a much higher threshold in terms of benching Gomel, where you actually have to be in Sakana, you have to have experienced Sakana in order to do bench Gomel. Is only about anticipation of sakana, and therefore the threshold for saying tefillah tederech is much lower than the threshold for benching gomel. Although, yeah, Ravad Yosef, exactly. By Ravad Yosef, yeah, he almost by any trip says if they, again if he qualifies for tefillah tederech, almost yeah, he qualifies for bigger gomel. According to Ravad Yosef, Ravad Yosef benches gomel. Anytime they go for 72 minutes, they bench Gomel. So the same, they have the same qualification, which is that they have for, the same qualification for Tefillah Tederech is the same that they have for benching Gomel. Which is part of saying, Gomel all the time. Right. They don't, yeah. Ravad Yosef does almost every time you see him benching Gomel. But he's, uh, but at least for the Ashkenazim, Moshe Feinstein mentions that there should be a difference in threshold. Tefillah Tederech is anticipation of Sakana, and therefore even if one does not get into danger immediately, but you might think there might be danger, it's enough to say it, but this Benji Goma must be only once they've experienced Sakana. Right now, the next qualification that the Gemara has over here, which is, how do you say Tefillah Tederech? So the Gemara says, Vehechi Matzila, how do you daven it? So Vchistamar Meumad, if they say it's standing up. Vcheshidamar Afilum Alech, even if you're on the way. They were going on the way. Rav Chista got up and said, "Tefillah Tederech." Amalei Rav Sheshet B'Shemei. Sheshet said to his servant, "Michael, Rav Chista, what's Rav Chista doing?" As Rashi points out here, why does Rav Sheshet ask me his servant? Is because Rav Sheshet was a sagi nohor; he was blind, and in being blind, he didn't know what Rav Chista was doing. So he's asking his servant, the one who was accompanying him, what's Rav Chista doing? So he says, "Rav Chista, so Amalei Kekayu Matzli, standing up." And saying tefillah tederech, I'm like ukmen nami lididi. Says, help me up, and I will also say tefillah tederech. Now it's clearly against his own position. Rav Chista believed he had to stand up. Rav Sheshit didn't have to stand up, but Rav Sheshit says here miyotov ra. If you have a chance to be good, don't be called bad. Now the Gemara seems to be like quoting a pasuk over here, but as the Gemara in Baba Kama on Pe'al from Bed says, there is no such pasuk. When it says, my Quran, they quote this, and the Quran says that there is no such puzzle. The Quran then quotes a puzzle from Mishle that says that, basically, you should try to do it. If you can do something, and there's no loss to you, and only benefit someone else, then why not? And that's exactly what Rav Sheshit is saying over here. Rav Chista stood up to say, now, now Rav Sheshit believes you don't have to stand up for it, but they're going to stop anyway, in order Rav Chista to daven. So Rav Sheshit may as well get up and also do it like Rav Chista, even though he doesn't believe you have to do it that way, but once Rav Chista is already doing it, nothing wrong, no re- he has no, nothing to lose and only to gain by doing it like Rav Chista. And that's what it means, Miotov, Now this reflects the next question, which is, when you're saying Tefillah to Derech, you raised this the other day about driving, almost everybody agrees that when you're driving, you shouldn't be saying Tefillah to Derech because that is 
a distraction, dangerous. But as a passenger in a car, there's a question, can you say tefillah to there? Because the passenger in the car. But Sternbach relates that when he gets to Sharagai, he has the driver pull over, he gets out of the car, and he says tefillah to derech mumad, on the side of the road. This step. Right. Very good. I think it's Rabbi known also over there suggests that pulling over the side of the road is unacceptable in terms of saying tefillah to derech. Because you're putting yourself into danger, and you're not Yishvadat. The whole problem here is Yishvadat. If you're afraid of getting hit by another car, cars are whizzing by you, then he doesn't see that as being. He says if a person wants to say Tefillah Derech, they should pull off the highway completely, to a place which is safe to park, and then say Because if it's all about Yishvadat. I would suggest even today that if a person's a passenger in a car, I, I don't see how that's not Yishvadat. I mean, in their day, when you're bouncing along in a wagon, or you're driving... So it's over there, I understand when there's no Yishuvadat. Today, if you're sitting in a car as a passenger, I think that one could attain the same Yishuvadat as pulling over to the side of the road and trying to stand up to, say, Tefillah Tadarach. Right. should be under pressure, should have Yishuvadat, even if a person's worried about his family. I mean, if the family's in the car and he gets out of the car and he's worried about them, that's not Yishuvadat. And that's a problem in terms of the whole idea here is to gain a certain amount of Yishuvadat to Daven. Obviously, it's somewhat subjective, but a person has to assess the situation. The other place this comes up is on an airplane. In terms of diving on an airplane, standing up. When you're in situations where it's difficult to stand up, should one stand up or not? There are those that believe that on the airplane you should try to stand up, although most of the post scheme believe that if you can have Yishavadat or better davening by sitting down on the airplane, then one should put on a tefillin standing up, then sit down and daven in their seat. They should get up. Very good. So there are other issues on the airplane. Including, well, we'll just start. When sitting in your seat, you can't stand up to bow down once you try to stand up. Otherwise, we saw in the Gemara previously that as long as you make a move to bow down and you show and you mitzahar nafsheh, that's enough. In terms of uh, moving one's feet, you can move your feet back and forth within your seat. That shouldn't be too much of an issue. Again, the, the, the preferable way is to stand up for these issues, bowing and for moving back and forth once you try to stand up. If you're in a car and you pull your car over and you're going to daven shmanes and you can't get out, for whatever reason you can't get out of the car, you're going to stay seated in the car and daven. In terms of moving back and forth, they suggest that maybe one should drive the car back and forth. Because in their day also, just like on a behemoth, they would move a behemoth back and forth for the three steps. Then the car, you should reverse a little and move forward. Back up a little bit. And he says, Well, you're driving. It's no question. Or Shlomo Zalman Arbach says that you can't concentrate when you are davening as well as pikuach nefesh when you're doing that. The other considerations on the airplane are the other one is disturbing other people. And one does not have a right to daven when it's going to affect other people, especially if there's chilul Hashem disturbing other people. The other consideration is that most times when they daven, they daven near the bathrooms and you have problems of re'achra, people entering and exiting all the time, which is a disturbance. It's impossible to concentrate. I'm saying, no, the people going to the bathrooms are going to interfere also. I'm not forgetting that you're just blocking their way to the bathroom. See, but the fact that they're exiting, entering and exiting is also going to so I have a question of Yishuvadat. You can find an open location where it doesn't block any other people, or they have a special location for people to daven. That should be just more careful on the airplanes in terms of these issues, both of you having Yishuvadat and not affecting other people on the airplanes. Alright, next. Ma'ika ben Avinelu tefillah k'tzara. Now, Gemara wants to, we've discussed Avinenu, and we've done tefillah k'tzara. What's the difference between them? Avinenu, at least according to Shmuel, Avinenu, you have to daven the throat, Gimel Kamaito, the first three brachot, which is Avot, Vurot and Kedusha, the first three brachot. Vigil Bajraita, and the last three brachot, which is Ritzei, Avoda, Hoda, and Shalom. Those three brachot at the end. Vichim Atta the Beit, Elo Bailam Adel Tzlui. And we get home, you don't have to daven again, because you've basically davened a proper Shmonesre. Tfilak Tzara, Lo Bailam Tzlui, Lo Gimel Kamaita, Lo Gimel Bajraita. There's no introduction or conclusion. Vichim Atta the Beit, and Bailam Adel Tzlui. When you get home, you gotta daven again, because you really didn't daven Shmonesre. At least with the Havineinu, you got the first three and last three, plus you got a tamsit, you got a concentrated view of the middle twelve brachot, that's enough to be yotze. The hilchata, the is Havineinu mi'umad, tefillah ben mumad ben malech. Havineinu should say standing up, tefillah is whether you're standing or sitting. Again, this also contributes to the issue of having to repeat it when you get home, which is, if you do it standing up, it's more akin to Shmon more yeshuvadat, and therefore when you get home, you don't have to repeat it. Tefillah where... Standing up, sitting down is an indication of less yishuvadat. That's also another reason why one would have to repeat Shmanesu when they got home. Now, Ayah Rochev al 
It's riding a donkey, it's time to daven. There's someone who can hold on to his donkey. Get off his donkey and daven. He should sit in place and daven. Because if he doesn't do that, he's going to be so worried about the donkey running away that his tefillah is not going to be worthwhile anyway. He's going to lose his shiv to that. So better just stop the donkey in place and daven while he's still sitting on the donkey. Rebbe says, even if you have someone to hold on to it, better off just to sit on. Person, even when someone else is holding on to it, is worried about the derech, is worried about other things that are in this environment that he's in. And therefore, he should focus on his davening and sit down. Just to note, earlier on the Masechta, when we discussed the problem of davening in an open field or an open area, one of the problems mentioned there by the Tosafot is... Problem of people passing by, traffic, and yishuvadat. That number is disturbances. So if you get off the donkey, it's not so clear that you're get to a position where you're better off. If you're sitting on the donkey, you pull over to the side, have more yishuvadat. Amarovo, kavitim Rabbi Shuban Levi, aloha karabi. Aloha zay karabi, sit in place. And this is also another indication of being on the plane that you don't have to get down. Even a place where there's no sakana, you don't have to get out of your seat. You dive it in place if that's what gives you the yishuvadat. And you don't have to turn yourself towards Yerushalayim. It's libo connected Yerushalayim. Turn up banan. Suma. Someone who is blind or can't tell what direction they are facing. Should concentrate, focus his heart towards the Kodesh Baruch Hu. Because in the tefillah that Shlomo Melech has when he is consecrating the Mikdash, says, The only thing that matters is davening towards Hashem. If he's outside of Eretz Yisrael, you have any boat connected to Eretz Yisrael, should face towards Eretz Yisrael, Shnemar, Vehit Palalu Eilecha, Derech Artsam. They will pray towards you through their land. So their land, meaning coming through the land of Israel, they'll pray. So everybody will face towards Eretz Yisrael. Hayomid, Eretz Yisrael, you have any boat connected to Yerushalayim. If you're within Eretz Yisrael, should face towards Yerushalayim, Shnemar, Vehit Palalu Eilechem, Derech Ayir Asher Bacharta. They'll play to Hashem through the city that you chose. If you're standing in Shalim, you're going to dive towards this house, this structure. If you're in the Mikdash, you're dive towards the Kodesh to this location, this location particular where the Shekhinah is. If he's inside the Kodesh you're focus towards the Beta Kapora towards the Aron, the middle of the Aron. Hayom made Achorei Beta Kapora. If he's behind the Kodashim, you're at smoke, Ilu Lifnea Kapora. He look as if he's in front of the Kapora and should face towards the Kodash, a Kodashim. Nimtza. Conclusion of this, Omeid Bimizrach, Mazgir Panav the Marav. If you're in the east, you face west. Bimarav, if you're in the west, Mazgir Panav the Mizrach, you face east. Bidarom, if you're in the south, Mazgir Panav the Tzafon, you face north. Bitzafon, Mazgir Panav the Darom. And if you're in the north, you face south. Nimtzu, kol yisrael mukumanim libam the makom echad. All of Klai are facing a single location, whether physically or figuratively. Amiyavin v'item ravina ma'ikora. What's the pasuk? Migdal David saverecha banui l'tal piyot. It's like a migdal, a tower, a fortress. Your neck is like a fortress. Banui l'tal piyot, built like a hilltop. Tel shekopiot ponim lo. So talpiot here they dash and as they tell is a mountain which all mouths face. All mouths face meaning all tefilot come towards this mountain. So all the tefilot are centered in a single area around the mikdash. So here again there's some interesting notes. First of all the Gemara speaks about in Bavel that in Bavel they faced south. Why did they face south in Bavel? Because what does the pasuk say in Yirmiyahu? Mitzafon tipatachara. From the north will come the bad. When Bavel is going to come to attack you, they're going to attack from the north. So therefore, when they read Bavel, the Gemara says that they face south. Even though Bavel is mostly east of Eretz Yisrael, not north of Eretz Yisrael. Oh. Yeah, but very slightly north and mostly east. <laughs> same thing happened in Eastern Europe and Russia. They had the exact same problem, which is they are mostly north of Eretz Yisrael, not west of Eretz Yisrael. And in these areas, they all dive in the east. Not considering that. The Mishnah Brewer already is attuned to that and realizes that. And he says that they should have their shuls in these areas be facing southeast, south or southwest, depending where they were. Not just east, because they should have them facing towards Eretz Yisrael. But he's much more attuned to the fact that, until this point, they hadn't focused on this. The fact that they weren't really facing Eretz Yisrael when they faced east in these areas. The other thing to note is the Kotel. 
When you get to Koto Amaravi, we said before that if you're inside of Yerushalayim, you face the Mikdash. You're in the Mikdash, you face the Kodesh Kodashim. Oh, the Koto Amaravi, where we're diving today, is skewed to the south of the Mikdash. And that means if one's dining in the Koto Amaravi, they should not face straight towards Harabai, but they should tilt towards the left. The left meaning north, because the Mikdash is north of that area. So one should face northeast, but not just east, because you're not facing the Mikdash. You're supposed to be facing the Mikdash. Just a small note. The other things, which is a common problem, like right here, what happens if the shul does not face Yerushalayim? What do you do in those situations? The best thing to do is to face Yerushalayim, despite the fact that the shul is not facing that way. Mr. Burr brings down one should face Yerushalayim as long as they don't put the Aron on the opposite side. I mean, you shouldn't have your back towards the Aron. As long as your back's not to the Aron, you should be able to face Yerushalayim. Oh, that's what the Mishnah verse says. If you can't be Machsir Panav, if you come into the shul and everybody's facing the front, you can't go in there and start davening in a different direction. So he says, there is Mitzadet Panav. You should turn your head, which is very difficult. I'm not sure. He gives us a solution. Then all these times you could just turn your head. Davening with your body facing the Aron and your head turned towards Yushalayim. It's not very comfortable. I don't know what the Mishnah is that. I know that Rabbi David mentioned it here that he says that it's fine. He doesn't mind if people dive in towards Yushalayim. He didn't want to make an obligation on the shul because there were certain seats in the shul were not easy to dive in towards Yushalayim. So he didn't want to make it that it was an obligation. He said that he's okay with people facing Yushalayim. He doesn't think they're Purishmen at Sibor. So he doesn't feel that it's Yura or a problem if someone does face towards Yushalayim. But that he doesn't feel that one is obligated from Rabbi Nevin. So that he feels that people have to be obligated to face Yushalayim in that way. They can turn their heads, or in order to do that. Right, so that's what the Mishnah Brewer writes. Right, the Mishnah writes, there is no din to dam towards the Aron. You shouldn't have your back to the Aron, but you should put, he says, the Minog gets to put the Aron in this direction of Eretz Yisrael, so you're both facing the Aron and Eretz Yisrael. No, but it's more because the Aron is covered. Right, it's deference to the Aron. Yeah, it's deference to the Aron of the Torot. But he says you should line the two up in order that it should be in the in the same line, or the same plane. Avoid the Shmuel Velevi. Kavobayla may pick the Orcha when they had to go out and travel. Hamekadme umatsle. They used to get up early and daven. Now, how early did they get up to daven? Rashi says they got up kodemayom before daybreak, before lotoshachar. Tosafot says no way, no how. There's no way they got up to daven before lotoshachar. Nobody says you could daven at that time. It was clearly after lotoshachar, before nates. So it was a time period where you could be chayav. In Tfilot, but you couldn't say Kriyat Shema yet. It was a time period where Bidiyevit you could daven, but you still had to wait for certain things. When they reached the point of that you could see someone then they would say Kriyat Shema separately. So they would daven Shemanesu earlier, and then Kriyat Shema later. Come on. Who do they hold? Like this, Tana, the Tanya. Hishkim, let's say, the Derech, maybe in those Shofar, but okay, Alulab, Umnanea. Quite early, takes the Shofar, blows it. Lulav shakes it, Megillah bekoreba. Get a Megillah, you read it, do the mitzvah. Oksheg yazman kriyachma koreb. And when he reads it the time of kriyachma, he'll say it later. Hishkim leshev bekorona besvina. He gets up early to go ride in a wagon or a boat. Mit palel. He davens. Uksheg yazman kriyachma koreb. When he comes to this man kriyachma, he'll read it. So you're giving up smichot gulot vila in order to daven shmonesri before you leave. And then you'll say kriyachma later on. You should be Sumech Gula Tefillah. That takes precedence over here. And therefore you should wait to daven until later on so that you can be Sumech Gula Tefillah. But my Kemifligay, what's their argument about? Levi and Avud Shmuel say that standing up for davening is more important. That's what gives you the concentration. That's the focus. So better daven before you leave even though you're going to lose out on Sumech Gula Tefillah. And Rabbi Shimon Elazar says, Svigod Gulu is Adif, so therefore I'll forfeit some of the concentration in Shimon Esrei in order to get a Svigod Gulu And this worked well with what the Tabina Reina Yonah said earlier in the Mesechta, that Svigod Gulu is not simply a nice thing to do. It qualitatively changes your Shimon Esrei. That your Shimon Esrei is a different Shimon Esrei when you're Svigod Gulu so much so that if you daven another Shimon Esrei, and the first one you daven not Svigod Gulu the second one you do, that's a Chiddush in your Shimon Esrei. And you can say that Nushman Esra without being Mechadesh, anything else in it, except Smichu Gulot Tvila. So here you see that there's a competition between two qualitative changes in Nushman Esra. The stand, where you can focus better, or Smichu Gulot Tvila, which is also a qualitative improvement in Nushman Esra. And the question is, which one do you weigh more? And that's the question between the Tanakhama and Rav Shimon Elazar. Reimar Marzutra Avimekafei Be'asara B'Shabto Deriglo. 
On the Shabbat of the Regel, it's not literally Cholomoy, but the Shabbat before the Regel, where they used to have to give the drasha, they used to get together a minion beforehand, umatzlo, and they would damage one esri. And then afterwards they go out to the drasha. Ravashi matzli by the tzibura. Ravashi used to dive in with the tzibura, miyochid, miyushav, while he was sitting down. Give out to the bait, and when he got home, hadar matzli mu'umah, then he would dive in again standing up. Amrulay, the Rabbanan, the Avid Mark, Mreymar Marzucha. Why don't you do like Mreymar Marzucha? Get a minion early in the morning. I'm a little tricholi milter. It was too much effort. It was too difficult to get a minion early in the morning. Lavid Mark, Avud Shmovalevi. Why don't you all like Avud Shmovalevi? Get up and dive it. Just get up, dive and be chidot early on. Says Amrulay, Lo Chazina Lo Rabbanan Kishishai Minan Ta'avdei Hochi. There is no Rav, a Rabbanan that are older than me that I see practicing like Avud Shmovalevi. I don't see anybody with that Mesorah. So I don't want to hold like them because I don't have any precedence for that. I don't have any Mesorah to daven like that. So what Ravashi did, it's very interesting. Ravashi was giving the drasha. And as Ravashi says, at one point, he would feed the Maturgaman a huge amount of information. And while the Maturgaman was doing that, he would sit and daven Shemoneh on the spot while he was sitting there. So he did that. But number one, he didn't want to get up because then the people would be affected by it. And so he stayed seated. And he didn't want to interrupt the drosha, so he davened. And then when he got home, he did it again, mumad and standing up with proper timing and all that, so, so on and so forth. But in order to accomplish smichut gulut tefillah, he would daven shmanesri, create shman shmanesri in that situation, sitting down while he gave the drosha. What's interesting about all of these stories is, it's, see, their clear their practice was the darshan from early in the morning all the way through the day without any consideration of tefillah. Rashi says that the people at the drusha used to slip out one by one to go daven. That the drusha just kept going and they would slip out to go to daven. That there wasn't any organized interruption in the drusha in order to daven. Very interesting, conceptually as well as in practice. Uh, something that obviously we don't do today. Alright, so the Bahag, Tosafot brings down that Bahag, Paskins, like Rabshim ben Alazar. And there he says that you could say, because based on that, you could daven Shmona as just sitting down while you're on the derech. Even though before we said, you have to say standing up. It also says, maybe that's a difference. Havinenu is very short, so to stop for Havinenu is not a big deal. You can say it quickly. Say a full Shmona on the side of the road, and to stop for that, that would take away from Yeshua that. So maybe that's the difference. And the other point is over here that when he went back home, he daven standing up. The Rabbeinu Hanan, on the other hand, paskins like Avod Shmon Levi. The Bhagavad Avram says he doesn't understand why we don't paskin like Avod Shmon Levi. He thinks that Allah should be like that, even though nobody else accepts that and nobody else says that. The Magen Avram says you should daven early and forget about Smikul Gudu Tefillah. Everybody else does not agree with that. The Magen Avram is questioning why. He doesn't understand why not. Based on the Tosafot here, he says, even though Rabbeinu Hanal passed in that way, he says the statement of Vashi is very convincing that he saw nobody with that Misora. And not having anybody with that Misora, he wasn't willing to practice that way, and that's why it wasn't accepted. Alright, next mission. Tefillah Musaf is only davened with the congregation, with the minion. Whether you have a minion or not, you daven Musaf. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Mishmo, Mishmo was the Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azariah, and his name, if there's a minion daven in Musaf, the Yachid doesn't have to daven Musaf. So Mary asks Rabbi Yehuda, I know Tanakama. Rabbi Yehuda says the same thing as Tanakama. There's a minion, right? Then there's Musaf. No minion, there's no Musaf. The difference between them is, if an individual in a city where there is no minion, Tanakama savar patur. Tanakama says, no minion, no musa. Period. Bishuda savar chayav. Because there he says, if you're in a city with a minion, the yachid doesn't daven. But that means if you're in a city without a minion, then the yachid does daven musaf. Allah is like him. That makes sense. says, I never daven b'yichidot musafim in Narada. Levar mihalu yoma. There was one time the Atta Pumusa the Malka, the king's troops came into the city, the Mata, Vatridu Rabbanan, and they caused the Rabbanan to scatter or to be preoccupied. Velot Salu, and there was no minion for Musaf. But Salu li b'yochid, and I davened alone. Vayav b'yochid shalom b'chevriyir. It's a case of a yochid davening. Without a chevriyir, without a minion in the city. So the fact that Shmuel notes this as being exceptional. And then he's Davin B'yechidot, and there's no minion, that sounds like Rabbi Huda in the name of Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. Yotiv Rav Hanina, Kara Kamei, the Rabbi Yana, he was sitting and saying this before Rabbi Yana, Yotiv Kamar, Aloha Rabbi Huda, Shamar Mishum Rabbi Lazar ben Azariah. 
quotes the same thing that we just said before. Take that out of here. That's not right. It's not like him. Yochanan testifies that he saw Rabbi Davin, and then immediately Davin again. What did he prove from that? Zari twice because it was Shabbos. And on Shabbat he davin Shachrit and then Musaf. So he davin Musaf be Yechidut. So I'm going to let you observe it. Dilma mi'ikarlo kibin date, lusof kibin date. Maybe he wasn't so focused. When he davin the first time around, he didn't have Kavona. And therefore he had to repeat Shman Esrei. Wait a minute. Take a look at who's testifying here. Rabbi Yochanan is the one testifying. Rabbi Yochanan is a Gavarabba. He's not going to just testify about any willy-nilly thing. He made sure. He, he knows what he's talking about, and when he knows what he's talking about, he's testifying that he davened two in a row. Two in a row means davened shachrit and musaf, and he davened with by himself. That shows you that even bechidut, you can daven musaf. What's interesting here is that the Mishnah only has this with regards to musafim. Why does the Gemara not discuss this with the shachrit, mincha, any other tefillah? The, the answer is that all the other tefillot, we said, keneged avotiknum, and we had other arguments, keneged karbanotiknum. By Musaf, we said that everybody agrees. Connected Karbanotik Nom, there is no Av for Musaf. And that has implications. The fact that Tilat Musafim is only connected to Karbanot has implications, first of all, for things like Tashlumim. There is no Tashlumim because Avar Yomo, Batel Karbanot. So there's no Tashlumim for Musafim. Also, if one finds himself by accident in Tilat Musaf, they stop right away. They don't continue to dive and finish the Brocha, they stop right away. Another Afamina might be this. Which is that Musaf might be after Davin with the Sibor and not be Yechidut. And that has to do with something that Rav mentions in Shirem Lezich Aviyu Mori. That what the idea of a minion is, a person who Davin with the minion is if they are a part of entire Klal Yisrael. So they join through the minion with all of Klal Yisrael to Davin together. The minion is a representation of Klal Yisrael. And we know that a Korban, especially Korban Sibor like the Musaf, requires the whole Sibor to be a part of it. And therefore, maybe over here, the demand for minion by Tfilat Musafim is related to that fact, that it's only Kenegra Karbanot. So I just want to suggest that that's why the Mishnah focuses on Musaf as being the issue with, or the Tanaim focuses on Musaf being the minion, not any of the other Tfilot, because Musaf alone is Kenegra Karbanot. Okay, Rabbi Ami Vavasi. Afagav Davalu Tleisar Bekinishtav in Tveria, even though they had for routine shuls to go to in Tveria, Lavamatzayel Beni Amudeh. They would dive in between the pillars, the pillars of the Beit Midrash. Hechadabagar, so the place that they learned. So they gave precedence to where they learned versus going to a Beit Knesset. Beit Midrash has a higher Kedusha, especially the one that you learn in, and therefore one should try to dive in there. Mishonim argue here whether they dive in with a minion or not. Is it better to dive in a Beit Midrash even without a minion? Or is it only better to dive in a Beit Midrash when you have a minion even though it's not Barobah Madra Melech? What are you giving up over here in order to dive in Beit Midrash? And that depends on what you think they did over here. Do you think they dive with a minion, or do you think they dive in Be'yechidut? Itmar, Rav Yitzchabar Abdimi, Mishum Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu over here being Rav, mentioned that before. The Gemara uses Rabbeinu to refer to Rebbe, and Rabbeinu to refer to Rav. To look in the context, who's speaking, or if you're talking about Amoraim, later Amoraim, or earlier Amoraim, that will determine whether it's Rebbe or Rav. I might say, Amar Alocha, Ki Rebbe Yehuda, Shamar Mishum Rebbe Lozim Nazair. Alocha is like a Yehuda in the name of Rebbe Lozim Nazair. B'chiyah B'avah Tzali, B'hadar Tzali. And then he davened again. Why did you do this? What, you didn't have focus on your first monastery? A person take assessment of himself before he davens. If he gave him a the tefillah, then he can go ahead. Can't be a shouldn't daven. So you shouldn't have davened if you didn't have proper kavana. You forgot it was Rosh Chodesh? You forgot it was Rosh Chodesh today and person forgets Yelav Yovo and Mariv, then he go back, because he can say in the morning. Tosavot wipes this out of the gears and says this does not belong in the Brayta. B'Shacharit, in the morning, You don't have to go back over it because you can say it in Musaf. Musafim, you forget to talk about Rosh Chodesh and Musaf. Wasn't that bright to qualified by Amr Rabbi Yochanan? That's only true when you're in a tzibur. That's not true of the Yachid. Yachid misses Yalav Yav, he's got to repeat it. What does it mean, B'tzibur Shano? Rashi says, You can hear it in the Chazor Adashat. You missed Yalav Yavol in your Shemun If you stand and listen to the shots afterwards, you can be Yotze. Very good. So that's the question. How does that relate to 
Shachrin and Mincha, and those ask on Rashi's Pshat about listening to the shots. And again, Tosafot mentioned this idea before. You also have to believe when you forgot Yalav Yovo, according to Rashi, that the only problem was that you forgot Yalav Yovo. It doesn't ruin your Shmon Esri. Your Shmon Esri is fine. You just got to make up Yalav Yovo. Bahag, Mefaresh, Lav, Shatz. Mishum Tircha, Nitzibura. In the Chazor Shatz, if you forget Yalav Yovo, don't go back because it's a huge Tircha, Nitzibura to go back. You'll say it again. You'll catch it on Muslim. You'll catch it at Mincha. You'll say it then. There is one third opinion, which is, if you are the Shliach Zibor, and then Tzvila Balachas, you forgot Yelav Yavo. Then you don't have to repeat your Shmon Esrei, you'll say it when you are doing Chasad Hashat. That'll count towards your davening. So three different opinions as to how that works over here. Kama Yishev and Tzvila Tzvila. If you have to daven two Tzvilaot, whether it's Shachrin and Musaf, whether it's a Chova and then in the Dava or a Tashlumim, how much you have to wait in between them? Rav Huna or Rav Chista. Charmar Kadesh Titchonein Da'atolav. Charmar Kadesh Titcholel Da'atolav. Rashi claims that they mean the same thing. The translations I saw in English were Titchonen was pleading or suppliant, and Titcholel was beseeching and interceding. So there's the Chonen is the state of being that you need to be in in order to dominate. That when Moshe went to beseech Hashem to pray to Hashem. So that's the state of mind that you need to be in in order to approach Hashem. Amarav Anan, Amarav. Now this Gemara here is a couple of lines here. Creates major waves and earthquakes. Tav lo iskir v'shchodesh arvit. He didn't say yalav yavo at ma'ariv time. Ain machzir notol. Vishayim beitin mekadshin tochodesh yalav yom. Because beitin's not mekadesh at night. It's only mekadesh during the daytime. Amar meimar mistavra milta dura b'chodesh malay. Makes sense that a chodesh malay we're going to have two days of Rosh Chodesh. But if it's a one day Rosh Chodesh, that doesn't make sense. You should have to go back. Did Rav qualify his statement? Did he say anything? All he said is, He didn't differentiate between Malay Chaser. He said, period. If you, by Mariv, miss Yalavi Yavo, you don't daven. Tosafot over here brings down different opinions. He brings down an opinion that... Applies to both days. That's what the Gemara said here. Rav Ashi said applies to both days. That's the halacha. No matter when you miss it. The first night of Rosh Chodesh, the second night of Rosh Chodesh, you don't go back. But then he brings other opinions that say you do go back. The question is, how could they say that? The Gemara is pretty explicit that you don't go back. How do they explain this Gemara? So now you have to take a little bit of a step back, which is, why is based on Mekadosh the Chodesh at night? So the Rambam in Sefer Mitzvah claims, based on the Mechil to the it's based on the Pasuk, Shemarte, the Chukazot, the Mada, Miyamim Yamima. Yamim Yamima means that only during the daytime you're Mikadish the Chodesh. Yamim Yamima is referencing Kiddush Chodesh. So that's the Rambam. Rambam says basically it's a Xerat Hakatuv. On the other side you have the Ramban and the Ran, who say, it's based on the Pasuk that's brought down from Tehillim, Tiku Bechodesh Shofar Bechesli Yom Chalgenu, Tichok Tishrahu Mishpat, Leleke Yaakov. Gemara dashes from that. Kesli Yom Chalgenu is referring to Rosh Hashanah. And Chokiso Mishpat, Mishpat is during the day. So only during the daytime are you Mikadish the Chodesh. Just like Mishpat is during the day, so too Kiddush Chodesh is during the day. That's the Drasha. The Ramban and the Ran take that literally and say, it's like a regular case, like a Beitin case. A regular Beitin case, where you can only do it during the day, so too Rosh Chodesh can only do it in the day. It's basically a court session. Court's only in session during the day. So too by Kiddush Chodesh can only apply during the day. There's a Rashbam in Baba Batra in the middle there that says that, yes, he learns it out the same Pasuk as the Ramban and the Ran because of the Gemara and Sanhedrin, but nevertheless, he says that the Dinim are different. By Kiddush HaChodesh, there's something you can accept testimony at night, there are other dispensations, so something sits in the middle. Why is that important? Because the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, there's a mission in Rosh Hashanah where Rav Rabbi Tzaduk says, when it comes to Mikadesh, the Chodesh, when you're doing a bismano, when you're doing it on the chaser, then you have to mekadish the chodesh. But if the chodesh is going to turn out to be that you have a 30-day month, and it's going to be it's going to be the 31st, be the new month over there, the Gemara says shuvar kidshua min hashamayim. They are mekadish it in heaven. What does that mean, mekadish it in heaven? Well, that will relate back to what you think the issue is by baked in. And on that, we have a number of items. One is, many of the Rishonim believe that Kiddush Shemayim is just like Kiddush Beitin. Shemayim, they work exactly like they work in Beitin. And therefore, the Tosfot in Sanhedrin says that in Shemayim, they also are Mekadish in the morning. Just like Beitin is Mekadish in the morning, so too they are Mekadish in the morning. And the Rambam also seems to be saying something along those lines. 
The other possibility is that Kiddush Shemayim is even at night. They're not bound by the rules of Beitin. That the Smag says. The Smag says that the B'Shamayim are Mekadosh at night. And the Shekla Kodesh also says that. The other possibility is that Kiddush Shemayim is a din b'fnei atzmo. They do it totally differently there. And that's brought down by the Tosafot and the Yishma Farshim in Sanhedrin, the Magen Giborim, and seems might be even in the Rambam as well. They suggest that Kiddush Kodesh B'Shamayim is at the Molad itself. The actual Molad. 29 and a half days and 793 that's when the Kiddush Kodesh happens B'Shamayim. Irrespective of 29 and 30 down here. So that's its own din totally. Or, like you were suggesting, Rani is Kiddush Memeila. The Tosefta suggests this, the Rambam might also be saying this, the Orsameh clearly says this, that it happens in Memeila. You don't have to do anything. If you're not Mekadosh Chodesh, there's not only one choice left. That's the last day. So what it means, Mena Shemayim doesn't mean there's any active Kiddush. It means that it's going to happen by itself. So all of these have impact in terms of Yalaviyovo. Because it depends on the second night, it might be different than the first night. If you believe that Beitin functions just like Beitin and Shamal affects like Beitin Shamato, then why is there any difference? There's no Kiddush HaChodesh at night, first night or the second night. But according to those opinions that Kiddush Shamayim is different, then by the second night there is a difference than the first night, because the second night might entail Kiddush HaChodesh. And you might be Mekadosh HaChodesh on the second night. I'm not going to delve into it, I will send you out the Makorah, but the two days of Rosh Chodesh also, the Mephashim, in relating to this, argue about why there are two days of Rosh Chodesh. Some say it's Mishpek of the Yoma. Others say it's Kedush HaChad, like Rosh Hashanah. And that also has an Afkamina here. The last thing is, if you forget Yalaviyovo on the second night of Rosh Chodesh, what should you do? So you have the Tosvot in Brachot, our Tosvot over here, the Rambam, the Tur, the Beit Yosef, the Shochan Aruch, the Mishnah Bura, Ber Yehuda, the Pnei Yeshua, all Paskin, you don't have to go back. Second night, same as the first night. On the other side of the table, there's a Tosvot over here that brings the Yeshman Farshim. Beit Yosef brings from the Orchot Chaim, the Lechem Mishnah, the Magin Avram, the Pri Chodesh, the Orsamech, and the Pnei Yeshua all bring opinions. That you don't have to, you do have to repeat it. On the second night of Rosh Chodesh, you do have to repeat Shmon Esrei. Because they were Mekadish to Chodesh, it's not true. And for all different reasons, they bring different reasons why you would have to say that you have to repeat Shmon Esrei on the second night. We, because it's a Suffolk Brachot, Suffolk Darabanan, we're not going to force you to repeat Shmon Esrei if you forget the Yavo on the second night. But one should try to be more careful on the second night because it's not so clear that one is Yotze if they miss Yavo on the second night of Rosh Chodesh. And now we're going to begin the new parak with the Mishnah. Person has to be in the right frame of mind in order to start davening. He has to be focused, reverent, aware of the fact that he's about to speak to Akash Baruch Hu. They used to wait an hour. They used to come to Shul, sit down, wait an hour, and then daven. So they could focus properly and that they could get themselves into the right state of mind in order to daven. Even if a king asks or greets him, he does not reply to him. This is as opposed to Kriyat Shema, where we had all the rules about when you're allowed to interrupt, who you're allowed to interrupt for. When you're standing before the king, there are no interruptions. Even if there's a snake wrapped around his, his ankle, his heel, he should not interrupt his Shemona Esrei. How do we know this? Because the Pasuk says, marat nefesh. By Tfilat it says that she was very bitter. Because she was very bitter about her situation. And maybe that's why she was here on Marat Nefesh. Maybe that's not the definition of what it means to stand in Tfilah, or what the frame of mind that you have to be in to stand in Tfilah. So it sounds like David Melch is saying that he only approached the Mikdash, because he's a Davin a lot. So therefore he had to prepare himself properly. And he had to be in a different state of mind or frame of mind than a person who's normally approaching Hashem. Bow down to Hashem in the glory of the holiness. Meaning in the fear of. You have to approach Hashem when you come to bow before Him with fear. When it says, How do you know that you darshan as charedat, as being fear rather than hadrat, to adorn oneself? Like Rav Yudu used to get himself ready in order to daven. He used to pretty himself up, get his clothing, put on properly. Similar to what we had said earlier in the Mesechta with regards to Hikon Likrat Elokecha. There's a demand that when you approach Hashem to put yourself in the right state of mind, the state of being, and to be dressed appropriately when you come before Hashem. So this is another 
requirement that you bear approach Hashem Bahadar. So Amr Allah Amr Abnachma Yitzhak Mayakha, the Pasuk's from here, Ivdu at Hashem Bira, Bigilu Birada. You should worship Hashem Bira with fear, Bigilu, and you should rejoice while trembling. My Bigilu Birada, what does it mean to rejoice while trembling? Amr Radar Bamadam Rav, Bamalka Gila, Sham Tehre Ada. And the place that there is gila, where there is song, then shamtei ada, there should be trembling or fear. If you remember back, Rashi and Dav Babu Medalif does the same thing, speaks to Rabbi Makum Rina, shamtei tefila. Abai Yavayotim kamei de Rabbo, he was sitting before Rabbo, v'chazi Dav Kabodach Tuva, saw that he was joking around a little too much. Amar v'gilu birada, ktiv, doesn't it say that you have to rejoice but be in trembling, you have to have a certain amount of reservation in your behavior? So I have tefillin. I'm wearing tefillin. And as Rashi points out, It's clear that I am a servant and subservient to a Godish Baruch because I'm wearing his tefillin. And that will keep me within check. That will make sure that I don't exceed my bounds in terms of the laughter or humor here. And Rabbi Yirmiya was sitting before Rabbi Zeira and he saw again that he was joking too much. I'm it says whenever there is sadness, there'll be more. So I'm He gave him the same answer that we just saw before. I'm wearing tefillin, so that will keep me in check. Maravina made a wedding for his son. He said that the Rabbanan were a little too free-spirited, a little too frivolous. Aitikasa de Mukro, he brought a very expensive uh, cup. As Rashi points out, kosho zuchid levana, and a white glass that we saw before in the Masechta, something that's very expensive. But arba mei it was worth 400 zuz. The tamar kamayu was smashed in front of him, fatzivu. And then they were saddened, or they all became serious. They got them into a much more serious frame of mind. He broke glass for that. Tosafot here mentions at the top of the Amud, From this derives the minog to break glass, or to break a goblet at the wedding. Now, what's interesting is that this isn't the source for this matter of breaking the glass at the weddings. The practices of Zeichel the Churban actually mentioned in the Gemara of Babachra. And none of them that are mentioned are breaking the glass. And Rabbi Yosef mentions that the practice here to break the glass is because of Gilu Birada, nothing to do with Zechor HaChurban. They're two separate issues and not connected. Obviously, over time, the Minhagim brought them together and that practice became for Zechor HaChurban instead of doing the things that are mentioned in Baba Batra, that this breaking of the glass became the vehicle for creating the seriousness around Churban Abayit and not just the Gilu Birada. Okay, we'll stop over here.